0: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live.
1: Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Lit Lit Show on Thursday the 14th of September. Oh, the nights are drawing in. It's getting dark. It's getting cold. School's well underway. Summer is way behind us now. On tonight's show... We have Aaron Patching, P.E. teacher, rugby coach, rugby player. Aaron's going to be talking all things rugby in schools, why it's important. And of course, that's all to fit in with the Rugby World Cup happening now. As we speak, France are playing Uruguay in Lille, beautiful city up in the northeast of France. I spent a year there teaching. Fabulous place next to the Belgian border. So without further ado, let's get to it.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in, talk it out, with Teachers Talk Radio.
2: Teaching is a rewarding profession, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead a modern, apolitical alternative, offering expert legal, employment, and mental health support. Protection without the politics. So what makes EDAPT different? We're always apolitical and independent. Specialised solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support. Whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, EDAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen Edapt to protect their careers. Subscribe at adapt.org.uk today. ADAPT, supporting school staff, protecting careers.
1: Hello and welcome to the show. Aaron, how are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. Great,
3: great, great, great. Tell me this, have you got the rugby on in the background there? Have you? Oh, I did think about it, but I thought actually I probably should give this my full attention because otherwise (laughs) I will will zone (laughs) out or you'll just get the odd scream every now and again
1: i know i know i know yeah well i'm taking a sneaky peek through the double doors here and oh uh, how are we looking yeah yeah i'll have the odd glance here at the rugby yes yeah
3: yeah
1: <laughs> so Aaron, you've something of a background in rugby yourself you're a player you're a coach you're a pe teacher and uh, a big fan of rugby so yeah. what's your story Aaron? and how have you got to here
3: well, I mean, I've played rugby pretty much all my life. We have sort of the odd gap here and there and, and, and sort of done it through different countries. And it was just always my, my sport of choice. Um, yeah. So from uh, when primary school we played touch, uh, I was very lucky. I had a very good uh, coach who come down to the local primary school. He runs some sessions and, um, and that's how I personally found out about my local my local club, uh, and once I got in there, that was it. I was uh, played there for the rest of my sort of primary school years, from year sort of five and six, uh, right through into contact, through secondary, and into to being an adult. Um, so it was just a sport that was always kind of there. It just became sort of part of my routine. Um, and being a quite sporty person, uh, it led me into the actual career and job that I do. So yeah, I qualified as a PE teacher now uh about seven years ago
1: great yeah did I hear you say you played your rugby in different countries
3: yes I have done a fair bit of traveling so this is where the kind of on-off um stuff has come from so I never went straight to university um I actually took a job as an outdoor instructor for a little while um over in Norfolk which is why I left my my boyhood club um, mm-hmm. and actually in uh, in respect to this I actually dug the tie out uh from from my club I big up um Mitch and Bulls down in uh, south london uh I was wearing the and green today uh and yeah it just I went travelling I played uh, a couple of games in australia uh we played oh, the Waratahs wow. am, uh, amateur team uh when I was living down in uh, newcastle which is a, a real experience big Samoan boys there uh yeah. as well so yeah that was a that was an experience i played in uh malmo in sweden uh i spent i spent my erasmus uh placement over there yeah uh and then oh, when yes, eventually come back spent a bit of time in uh twickenham in south london and now uh over in swindon so yeah it's sort of like i said it's been a, a theme throughout my life but it, it's 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 definitely sort of allowed me to to do that all over the place
1: wow that's brilliant. Wow, true international. Yeah, great.
3: Oh, I wouldn't in... quite say that.
1: Yeah, oh, well, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I played rugby in France, actually. Um, yeah, you might have heard me uh, mention at the beginning. This mm. match that's on live now uh, between France and Uruguay is actually being played in Lille up in the northeast of France. And I played for a little club up there called saint amand les eaux tiny, tiny club. And um, it was my placement year. I was uh, a language student, you see, and I was uh, placed in a mm. school and they were delighted to have an Irish player uh, on their team. So uh, <laughs> that all worked out really well. Oh, oh that's, that's, that's fan- really interesting.
3: Fantastic. A friend of mine used to play um, at semi-pro league down in Albi, uh, way down sort of south of France. Um, and the yeah. culture there for rugby is just fantastic. It really is.
1: It, it really is especially down in the south yes yeah where a lot of those games now are being played yes they're fanatical about it mm. yeah so you're uh coach a little bit of rugby in schools now so what's that like coaching in schools Yep.
3: Yeah, no correct i uh, i Teaching, teaching it throughout uh, my career at different uh, year groups but uh, in, in secondary so from year sevens up to up to 11s and I've been lucky to do that in sort of the, both schools that I've worked at uh, one down in South London one over here in Swindon um, yeah. and it was really I tell you what, it was really nice to see the differences actually in in those areas um, yeah. between the two and how they're played in schools um, and sort of what their setups is for fixtures and so on. And, and like you said, the sort of cultures within those different places.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Ireland, you know, we would believe very much that it's the schools that kind of uphold the game of rugby. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of chat about, you know, schools being the nursery grounds for, you know, all the players that go on to, uh, you know, to play both both codes, you know, league and union, Mm. would that be fair to say, you know, would that be your experience that it's the schools that really are the kind of the learning grounds for the players that go on to really make it?
3: Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, the the, the well trodden route is through what you would say you, you or you'd call your rugby schools. Uh, so yeah, sort of your yeah we gifts, have them. Too. Yeah. And so yeah. it's very much seen as that's the, the trodden mm-hmm. route. And again, you'd, you'd see a lot of promising students, they would transfer schools. So they could go to these places. So again, we used to have a couple: um, Whitgift, John Fisher. That they, they were the seen as the ones to go to to really sort of progress if you wanted that career, that academy route uh, to go to the your, your premiership clubs and so on through the academies. Um, but not only that, like I said, it is the state schools as well. They feed the local clubs, and they are, I would say, the lifeblood of that grassroots rugby. Having seen it sort of from both angles, um, your level. 10, 12 playing senior teams, uh, a lot of them are school friends. They they grew yeah, up together course. and uh, like I said, they then they dragged their mates down and so on. I mean, it's exactly the same for, for, for me and my best man who's at my wedding. We, we've been lifelong friends uh, because of rugby where we met. Yeah
4: yeah mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah it's probably say it's it, it's probably the same here in ireland um and interestingly um there's a newspaper article oh there was a newspaper article um <laughs> it's a while ago now i think it's 2018 it's uh, by a guy called tom carey um and he the title of the article is very interesting it's how leinster's schools are driving irish rugby Mm-hmm. and can england learn anything from it and i think that kind of highlights you know just how much the school system that we have here in ireland is very much the beating heart of road bay
3: yeah, absolutely, and I I haven't seen that article, but I would absolutely agree with it. And I think we've had a, like I said, a bit of an argument here in England where we're getting characters coming through, kind of the professional game, such as Carl Sinclair, uh, Ludlam, and people who went to schools and then actually went through their clubs to get to those get to those levels and stuff. And so, like I said, we it it was the mainly seen as those private schools that were the the feeders for it but like i said i would absolutely say it's it's all in every school because that's where they get the taste from it uh, we see it all the time at my yeah. school we have a, a couple of kids like i said we are a uh, a state school within a, a very sort of average area i would say for of the uk and we're able to put some of these kids that really show some promise through to the local clubs and we've got some really good standard and good levels locally but then we've got bath we have gloucester um that we can start passing some of these kids with promise through to see if if they want to do that and go on to academies or if they're just happy to play for the fun of it um which I'm really happy to say in all of my experience of rugby has always been the case. Um, it's not an elitist sport all the time. It really is about that camaraderie and that, that local grass, grass if that's a word.
4: Yeah.
1: Well, we've just made it a word, even if it's not, yeah, we'll call it that. (laughs) I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. 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 And, would it be the case that all the coaches in, in those, for want of a better term, because I, I agree it's the same here, you know, we do have our kind of rugby schools and we would actually have parents who would move house to make sure their child is in that catchment area and so on. But mm. it, it is kind of broadening out into, uh, you know, as you said, the state schools and schools who might previously have been more involved in other sports um but i'm just wondering you know would all the coaches be teachers as well or would some of those schools have people who are just coaches and maybe not teachers
3: uh so you get a lot of coaches i would say that are parents in clubs um local clubs and stuff right. it is it's very much built on volunteers and i would say you find i i would probably say near enough most clubs will have a teacher of some kind in their senior team um, because, yeah. again, they 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 live that lifestyle. They're all about the healthy um, lifestyles, and they sort of live that. If so I find pretty much every PE teacher I know, it, it plays their sport of some kind to some degree. Um, but again, the coaches and what we'd call the mini games here, that our minis, what do you call it, what, what are they called in Ireland, your your youth sides. Okay, well, you're not
1: allowed to laugh now, but we call them leprechauns. <laughs> Leprechaun rugby. Oh, that's um, oh, that's suppose... so much better than minis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but well, I suppose that's just a way of you know getting all these tiny little kids involved and so on. So there's lots of Saturday mornings, and you can see them all kitted out and you know they really go for it and so on it's fantastic yeah
3: yeah and that's the way it becomes like i said for some families it's a it's a family sport i mean again there's teams i i Think I'd seen uh, quite a while ago the RFU they posted pictures. It was like three or four generations in one picture, where granddad's yeah. still still trotting out on the Saturday with uh, with your uh, your senior teams, and you got right through to the younguns coming through. And it, it, it is like that. Like you said, dad played on the Saturday, and he's taking the kids on the Sunday as well. Which is it's just a real good family feel within the sport, and you get it at games as well. I mean, I could literally cannot speak highly enough of, of the culture within it, um, that it really is at its heart, uh, of a family, um, community. Yeah.
4: Yeah. hmm
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, I was asking about coaching because, um, there's a guy, I'm not sure if you know, John Vanstone, um, he'd be an English player. Um, very, very, very good player has become a very, very successful coach. Um, But one of the things he said about the setup in Ireland was that, um, in fact, this is a quotation, he says, the coaches are all full-time teachers. And here at Blackrock, Blackrock uh, would would be a big rugby college, um, Mm. Blackrock College, I think there's a lot to be said for seeing these players in the corridor all the time. Teaching maths to the likes of Gary Ringrose, for example, you learn a lot about a student's character. As opposed to just coming in and offering your expertise as a professional coach, I think there's a big advantage to the system and I'm just wondering about that, you know, uh, how much, you know, being a teacher contributes to being a rugby coach.
3: Oh, massively. Um, It's it's a a debate you sort of have when you're uh, doing your teacher training as such, because a lot of uh, PE teachers did whatever sport course at at uni, whether that be sort of physio or direct coaching course Mm. and something, and they go on to be teachers, they go through their initial training. And it's, it is a distinction, there's the difference between a a teacher and teaching and coaching and then how do you Mm. blend the two um because it it is about that it's about making that distinction sometimes that you are going to really go for some gamemanship here and we're going to teach you the ins and outs and some of those black arts uh whereas actually like I said you then go to um we're going to teach you about the body and how your body position and your angle okay this is why we tackle safe and how um, and that's the reason behind it and you can do that within one session you can flip between the teacher and the coach um, and uh, when it's more appropriate to do that Um, and I think that's something that's that's done really really well in a lot of um, state schools due to the the facilities that they have, because they have to put that multi hat on. Uh, and again, you see a lot of these rugby schools, um, particularly they will draft in ex players. They will draft in high level coaches um, that are, like I said, they're out there yeah. to give give back to the game. And they're coming in with such expertise, and they are at such a young age. I mean, you just have to look at, like I said, some of the schoolboy rugby that's on on display, it's fantastic. If you watch sort of the the Daily Mail Cup and and so on, you just see pure, raw talent that's been um, really harnessed from a young age. And you can just see they've progressed through those different stages, whether that be with school, with county, uh, or just good club rugby.
1: Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I agree. I I think um, teachers have, you know, very much innate and built-in skills um, that allow them to be kind of better kind of coaches.
3: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Um, it, it, one lends itself to the other.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. How important is, you know, what teachers know about psychology? Uh, and we do, we do know a lot, some might specialize more than others, but how important is that in being a coach?
3: Oh, massive! Uh, like I said, how people take things in and when not um, is is huge. And like I said, if we look at any kind of cognitive theory of cognitive overload and the way we learn, I mean, even just the rules of three and feedback. Um, if you're going to tell a, a, t- a player, get low, get here, hands, hands there, punch through it. You give too much, they're not going to take it in. They can, especially if they're they're at sort of that that very beginner stage and they're trying to learn a new skill. Again, we're looking at the. You, you, progressions of skills and the different levels before you become autonomous you really have to go back to that yeah. first stage and you just practice step by step by step and you just give simple instructions and you're, you're physically active your, your brain is only capable of taking in so much yeah mm-hmm. yeah because it-
1: I think the modern game very much is an intellectual game, isn't it? I mean, that's obviously too strong a term, but you know, it, it's a game of you know tactics and thinking, and uh, much more than kind of the older game, which was a kind of you know less kind of brain focused game. Would that be? Yeah, absolutely.
3: Say? I, uh, and again, so it's uh, you're forever going on. How much? Do, how much do I tell these kids? do do we start talking about mm. when when do you start talking about pods when do we start talking about these plays why why are we kicking and so on like you said the tactics are, are, are so in depth if you yeah. really want to break it down like you said depending on sort of what kind of level you're playing at and or school you're teaching at and these the ability of those kids in front of you um i mean we've taken i've taken sessions like i said where we're just focusing on passing backwards let's move forwards that's how we're going to get some territory Um, and then once you can get past that you can build on the next thing Um, and like i said before you start going into some really kind of complex moves why why are we going to pick here and drive why are we going to keep it in why are we going to come out to the backs and so forth like i said the the modern games just moved on so much i mean it's not even been professional for that long we're talking sort of a few decades um, but like I said, it's just progressed and moved on. I mean, how many ta- how many times do you talk about the game, especially at the World Cup at the moment? Everyone's going, "Oh, I don't like this kicking game. Yeah, oh, they kick too much." Yeah. And like yeah. I said, if you can't see the the idea behind it, um, it, it could be lost on you. Like I said, you're not seeing the tactics behind it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I do I do think that's a very satisfactory you know dimension of the game. Just watching the tactics and. I know, um, you know, particularly. I think, well, it is everybody, but I know uh, they, they talk a lot about that kind of uh, intellectual approach from a lot of Irish players. You know, Sexton, mm. O'Driscoll, O'Gara. You know, those boys were, you know, great skill, but very good thinkers of the game, and you know, a few mm. moves ahead, and you know, they talked about the players with them had to be very sharp and alert because these guys were really quick in their moves, you know.
3: Well, be careful there. You're, you're starting to um, give backs a good name there with uh, how clever they are. <laughs> <laughs> I try. <true>. I <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is, you're right. Like I said, it, it's. You, I love it when they call somebody a student of the game, someone who really sits down, they do their analysis afterwards, and they're, they're someone who's going on to improve. And like I said, I make jest because I'm a back myself. But again, you just get some absolute scrum fiends who who love it. They just love the idea behind the scrum, the foot placement, your body angle, where you're going, that second shove, um, and those tactics. Because again, you can be creative. Like Again, if you start talking about the the creativity within it and the thinking behind it of how are you going to beat this set of five slash eight men. You can do whatever yes. you like, as long as it goes straight and someone's up in the air, where are you Where are you gonna do it and how are you gonna do it? And again, I mean, that's why the, the bar bars do so well. We love to watch them, everyone does uh, across yeah. the world because it's they're, they're the, the globe trotters of rugby, aren't they? So yeah. we just love it, you see it, they start huddling, you go, here it comes, there's a trick play. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so listen, it's time to um,
1: take a listen to the news and we'll be right back after these messages. Teaching
2: is a rewarding profession, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead a modern, apolitical alternative, offering expert legal, employment, and mental health support. Protection without the politics. So what makes ADAPT different? We're always apolitical and independent, specialized solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support. Whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, ADAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen ADAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at adapt.org.uk today. ADAPT. Supporting school staff. Protecting careers.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
5: RAC remains the top education story across many media outlets, with the BBC focusing on the impact the issue is having on universities across the UK. The news website refers to closures of lecture theatres, science labs and student unions. So far, 14 universities have told the BBC that they have closed or partially closed areas containing the reinforced autoclaved aerated concrete. Some lectures have had to be relocated and a small number of universities have had to find alternative accommodation for students, as halls of residence have also been affected. This has placed additional pressures on universities already facing housing shortages, with charity Unipol suggesting that student housing shortages are going to get worse in some cities. Student numbers are growing but the number of new rooms is tumbling. This is largely due to high building costs, older buildings falling into disrepair and now rack concerns are adding to the issue. Last week the DfE published the list of 147 schools in England built using the concrete. Six unions have now written to Education Secretary Gillian Keegan, asking a series of urgent questions. The BBC says that Essex is the county in England with the most affected schools, with 25 closed, partly closed or making alternative arrangements. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has dismissed suggestions that he was at fault for the concrete crisis. During Prime Minister's question time, he said his government had acted decisively whilst opposition leader, Sakia Starmer, referred to him as Captain Hindsight. In Wales, only two schools have so far been affected by RAC, but First Minister Mark Drakeford said inspections were ongoing. In Scotland, Humza Yousaf has outlined his plans for the coming year, with a heavy focus on expanding childcare provision, saying it is the best way to support families. This plan includes the recruitment of a thousand more childminders by 2026. Free childcare hours are being extended to two-year-olds across the country. There will be a pilot of expanded care from nine months to the end of primary in six local authority areas and free school meals for P6 and P7 pupils moves forward but those in receipt of the Scottish Child Payment will receive them first by 2024 with others following by 2026. Last week Mr Youssef also commented on the issue of banning single-use vapes and linked this to the comments made about young people using vapes too often. He stated that the government will consult on curbing the sale of disposable single-use vapes, including consulting on an outright ban. According to The Guardian, South Korean teachers have staged walkouts over harassment by parents and students. Thousands of staff attended a rally in Seoul demanding better protection after a number of teacher suicides. Teachers are being increasingly vocal about their experiences of maltreatment, including being accused of child abuse after disciplining students. Around 15,000 teachers attended a rally last week and some schools had to temporarily close due to a lack of staff. As of June, 2023, 100 school teachers had died by suicide in the country since 2018. The current education ministry blamed the current situation on previous governments saying that they had overemphasized students' human rights over teachers' rights. Finally, The Guardian also reports that a city in Japan is tackling a rise in truancy with the help of robots. Two schools in Kumamoto have purchased mechanical assistance to help children regain confidence in dealing with teachers and their peers. It is hoped the robots will encourage children to attend classes remotely and eventually coax them back in person. The robots will be equipped with microphones, speakers and cameras. Students learning remotely will be connected to the robots via laptops, allowing them to attend and take part in discussions. The robots will not be confined to classrooms, but be free to roam so pupils can take part in other events and enjoy social times remotely too. Japan, like many countries, including the UK, is facing a rise in the number of pupils refusing to go to school since the pandemic. Could robots be the key to improvement? This has been your Teacher's Talk Radio News with Joe Fox.
0: This is Two Minute Tech with
4: Steve Woods. Your Tech Briefing on Teacher's Talk Radio. Hello. This week we've all returned to work and I'm going to discuss the old argument of digital or paper diary. For every argument for going digital, there's a counter-argument for not and vice versa. You can access a digital diary from anywhere, on any device, but if you don't have a signal it's useless. A paper diary can't get hacked, but it can be picked up and read if left lying around. You get the point. I personally like a digital diary as it suits the way I work. I can add links to online meetings, add notes and attach documents, I can see my day, week, month, year at the click of a button, and the most useful thing for me is I get reminder notifications. One thing to consider if moving digital this year is policies on phones in your school, as this is the most likely way you'll access it on the move. And probably most importantly, if you're using your phone, will you be able to resist the notifications from other apps or emails you see when you switch it on to use it? Cost doesn't really apply as a factor because you probably already have a phone capable of running a digital diary, but work-life balance may need to be considered as the diary is there 24/7. This can however be remedied by using do not disturb settings for notifications in the end it's a personal choice are you paper or digital let us know at tt radio official i'm steve woods and that was two
2: minute tech two minute tech with steve woods your tech teaching bre- is a rewarding profession but it comes with its fair share of challenges that's where adapt to come in we're not your typical trade union but instead a modern apolitical alternative offering expert legal employment and mental health support protection without the politics so what makes EDAPT different we're always apolitical and independent specialized solely in supporting individual teachers our caseworkers are professionally qualified ensuring you always get the best advice plus there's 24 7 mental health support whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, ADAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen ADAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at adapt.org.uk today. ADAPT, supporting school staff, protecting careers.
1: Hello and welcome back everybody. You're listening to The Late Late Show on Thursday the 14th of July. I'm Paul Hazard, your host. And with me tonight is Aaron Patching and we're talking all things Rugby, Aaron. What is the value of rugby outside of the game and the enjoyment and so on? Does it have any value in the wider world?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you take the the party line from sort of English rugby, the RFU do have their values, um, and they're they're spread across out in all their courses. So, I mean, any any teacher who does a training course they'll get start to get a feel for what those value um but again it does sort of emanate out there's just so much it is a physical sport by its nature uh it's physical it's aggressive and i think it's so important that that respect is is held right at its core that yes you have 80 minutes of knocking lumps out of each other. Um, But by the end of it, you can actually sit down together and you can have a chat. There is no animosity. It's a a sport and a game at the end of the day. Um, And I think that's always been at its core. Um, And there's so much else that just spins off of it. Um, So like I said, I've gone round the world playing rugby because these clubs are so welcoming to a, a literal stranger i mean someone mm-hmm. who has jumped off the plane they're there for a little while doesn't i don't know anyone um yeah. but i i saw a poster like I said i mean i got dragged down australia i got dragged to a club by a friend uh they literally were low on numbers and they said just come along for a kickabout uh i mean i literally b- borrowed everything i didn't have any kit i didn't take boots across the world um but when i went to sweden I'd rocked up and did not know anyone. I saw a poster or a post on Facebook or something um, that there was a club nearby in Malmo um, and I went down and I was welcomed and I met people and they were nice and they looked after me and if if that's sort of not values and cause and it was unquestionable, it was just the thing. It wasn't, oh my God, this is odd. It was, I felt comfortable from my rugby experiences to do that. Um, And I just, I really don't know other sports where you can, do it that well or that easily
1: that's really interesting what you say is very similar to my experience going to france because um i was kind of sought out in the school and somebody came to me one break time and said oh you're irish show oh, you play rugby oh come along to the club and it's just like you've illustrated there there were so many mm-hmm. assumptions made know about the kind of person that i was and there was just this kind of you know there was no getting to know anybody there was no initiate. you were just part of the club and that was it Mm. you were suddenly a fully fledged member you know very welcoming very warm very embracing kind of kind of thing yeah
3: absolutely and i think it's the same in schools in that it's it's seen as a sport that you can be the big kid and you can still play you can be the small kid and still play yes and you can it just has a role, a job. It has fun for everyone. And I think that's something I've always loved. I mean, I've always been the small guy on the pitch. I've been quick. Yeah. That's the only thing I've, I've really had going for me. Um, and like yeah. I said, it was it was me. Like I said, no, I'm not picking the big balls and making crash ball. But I was there and I had my role to play and I i made a tough friends in it. That's it. And yeah. at school, especially secondary, you've you've moved up from primary school, everything's different. And it's just that that thing, it's that event that brings people together and starts to yeah. break those barriers down.
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah,
3: yeah. That's
1: interesting. Yes, I, I was that kind of player too, you know, I mean, small, fast sprinter, able to just kind of move quickly. But, you know, mm. I, I wasn't one of these big, you know, kind of blustering kind of players, you know, although yes, you're absolutely right. You need them too. Um, but we do value in, in certainly in the game in Ireland, we value character and characteristics a lot and what the game mm. teaches, you know, uh, respect, commitment, friendship, um, mm. camaraderie and all, all
3: of those things. Yeah. Very important. Absolutely. And discipline. It's like the, the list just goes on. Like you said, I agree with absolutely everything you said and, and, it just gives everyone that chance to, to get involved and learn those skills uh, because it takes, it takes not just 15 of you, like I said, if you're a squad and you've got a couple of teams or whatever you, you belong to this bigger whole, um, And all yeah. of a sudden those values just come through uh, and yeah. it, it is just part of the game and it's just accepted. And it's just, as far as I've always known, it's always been there in any kind of guys. I mean, I think it's always um, the battle between old and young and you had it easier here and there and, back in my day and everything else, but that filters <laughs> through. It's yeah. it's that tradition you latch onto. I mean, uh, schools have their songs, clubs have their songs, and that, that tradition, and it, it's everything as a whole. It just filters through into building that character and and giving everyone a place.
1: Yeah, and I think it was in our... Pre-show technical run. I think I was saying to you, you know, I was a careers teacher for for a lot of my time as well, and I used to encourage, you know, boys and indeed girls. I have to say, the girls' game in Ireland is is growing immensely. Mm. It's it's very very fast. Um, but I used to encourage them to put it on CVs and to talk in interviews about their rugby, and mm. you know, it, it it clearly demonstrates the kind of person. Uh, that you are, it says something more about you than you can maybe put into words.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I said that I've always said that with, uh, UCAS applications and they go, I, I just don't know what to put. I just yeah. don't know. And you look at this young man who has, like you said, he's gone. Through the years, he's played every single day. He's been there at the trainings. Mm. He has yeah. shown up. He got captain or vice-captain at some point, and he's picking the boys up, and he's organizing the kit, and he's doing all this, and you, they just can't see the wood for the trees sometimes, where, like you said, you've, you've done it. You've demonstrated that, um, yeah. and you've done it without realizing because you just, it just become easy like I said it was yes. something they enjoyed and like I said rightly so they've demonstrated it without realizing it and like yeah definitely personally I had that experience and I see it all the time particularly in schools they just pick up on it they're like right let's get together boys get in get your team sheet signed yeah. they're chasing each other down at lunchtime which I love seeing <laughs> it's great isn't it yeah, yeah they're like right come yeah. on get in <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh... What about safety in the
1: game in schools? How does um, that kind of play out?
3: It's a big factor. It's a big, big, big factor. Um, it's it's something that worries a lot of what we would call non-specialist teachers, PE teachers, even actual, like I said, PE teachers can get worried yeah. about it. Um, yeah. I mean, we we have a rule at school currently that, like I said, if there's no studs, there's no contact. Um, and it's something that... Has grown on what kind of these red herrings and expectations are and stuff, and um, that these rules have come in more and more and more, and to the point where some teachers will latch onto those. Ah, there's no boots, can't do contact. We got yeah. two. O- we got two over there, uh, and again, and it's it comes from a lack of education and lack of understanding. And it is, as you alluded to, it's a technical sport. It's it can be quite um, tactical and technical in in that safety. Um, aspect of getting the tackle technique right teaching those those simple basics and getting it right um and it's it's always been there um yeah. but it's luckily the rfu in england have been trying to do a lot for a long time with getting teachers comfortable with that and doing their coaching courses doing the rugby ready course doing the head case course um so you can understand about concussion what to do of course um yeah. and obviously recently with the tackle height um i mean it, it was everywhere uh, before the end of last season and like i said there was a, a, a huge amount of talk on it and luckily from my experience schools have gone okay right there's a there's a change and we're going to get to know it um and like we've alluded mm. to schools are the lifeblood of it you can't take it away they're not there to make the next pros they're not there to to feed straight into the academies they're there to give kids a taste and if you start shying away mm-hmm. from that they're never going to get that taste they're never mm-hmm. going to yeah. have a chance to go you know what I really enjoy this to have it to that view of that sport mm-hmm. of that, that excitement and then to find out that actually there is a club where they can go to afterwards and mm-hmm. and that's always been the mm-hmm. big thing it, it's hook them hook em early to a club mm-hmm. Um, And that's always been the lifeblood of especially the grassroots game. Um, And if you start shying away from that because we're worried, um, we're going to see a massive decline in the sport. And it would be a a real shame, a real, real shame if that ever happened. It would. It very definitely would. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, But I think there have been big advances in terms of uh, safety. Um, it, and it's kind of come through several directions, you know, as you say, you know, th- there's safety in terms of gear and equipment, mm-hmm. uh, there's safety in terms of, you know, changing some of the, the, the rules, if you like about the game. And then that's a really, really important factor you mentioned there. I kind of forgotten about it, you know, all these teachers doing their courses and their safety courses and learning about tackling and particularly, as you say, for maybe PE teachers who want to have the sport in their school, but maybe not specialists. Um, mm. Yeah, it's very very important. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
3: it's huge, and like I say, it comes down to that education because you you then become comfortable with it, and that you're happy, and you you start getting good at it, and you start seeing that 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 the kids are enjoying it. And actually, yeah, you know what? I'm happy to now run some of these some of these drills, put some contact into games. There is steps to it. Um, I mean, like I said, if, if anyone is ever feeling insecure or a little bit nervous about it, there's so much resources out there, especially from the RFU, on their game-changers stuff with their um, activation. They've got lesson plans out there for schools. They've got videos that explain the games um, and things. I mean, even literally it was... Uh, last year, I was telling our head of department about just two-touch, again, just some rules that just mix that game up so much, um, that just make it more manageable, that they can then enjoy teaching it again without the worry.
1: That's really interesting, Aaron.
3: I was just taking a note of that, and I'm going
1: to put that in the, in the show notes uh, so that people listening afterwards can, can follow up on that. It's really, really important, great point.
3: Yeah, Yeah, no, please do. There's stuff out there. Teachers are so magpie-ish. We're all constantly on the lookout. And if you need anything rugby, just type in RFU uh, game changers or go into RFU schools and you'll find a load of materials there to help you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you know or not, you're probably far too young to remember a, a rugby player called Willie John McBride. He's not an Irish player, uh, big, big, big fella, fabulous mm-hmm. player. Um, in fact, I, I have a funny feeling he still holds the record for the number of appearances for the uh, for the British Lions. I think it's 17 or something. Um mm-hmm. now he'd be a man into his eighties now, you know, but a massive figure uh, in mm-hmm. in Irish rugby. And in the third he tells the story. In the third match he ever played for Ireland, and it was against France, actually, who are 27-12 against Uruguay right now, but he played the last half hour with a broken leg. It's unbelievable, isn't it? And, you know, the guys came on with the sponge, you know, the magic sponge and the water, and they're rubbing away at his leg, and all the rest took his boot on and everything, and they were saying, you're all right, you're all right, you know. And it's just you know he tells the story really funnily he, you know you didn't come off in those days unless you were dead, <laughs> and he did he was taken to hospital afterwards and uh, he was put put in you know plaster of Paris up to his knee, so uh, it's a yeah. very changed game from from those days you know and all the you know the HIA the head injury assessment stuffs all very very important, um, and I see they're talking about bringing back the automatic three match ban or three week ban it would be. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in in the case of a head injury.
3: Yeah, it's it's always been there's always the uh the great story, isn't there? Like I said, we we broke my leg and I carried on and so on and so forth. And so yeah. and so done this. And like I said, we just strapped it up and went on. And there was I'm I'm sort of young enough in that I wasn't from um the the old school hard era like you said it was we would break bones and carry on and you would Touch yeah. each other and then get on with it and um, and so we kind of had that i mean even like I said it was kind of like studying was still a thing uh when i was a kid like it was just yeah. on its way out um and mm-hmm. you could get away with a little tap dance um but yeah. you, it was like I said the game moves move moves on we understand how important the hia is now mm-hmm. um with like I said some of the stories that are coming out in the press where we've got ex-players like I said some really Absolute legends of the game that are just mm. going. I struggle day to day with keeping focus, and it and it's scary for some, um, especially yeah. if you're a lifelong player. And like I said, you're looking at, at how many hits you've taken. You, we see it in the NFL, we see it in football when we're talking about heading. Yeah. Um, are yeah. we going to take out heading from school football? Are we going to mm. are we going to keep the ball head height and so on? These these conversations are always there, and at what point we we start to take them seriously is when we start seeing those rules in. And again, we start seeing it within the World Cup. We're talking about it at the moment, the amount of cards that are coming out. And we talk about mm-hmm. different consistency. I'm, I'm not going to get bogged down in reffing, but it, it's all about player welfare. And at, at the school game, that's so important. And I think, like I said, they are really, really wary of it, particularly teachers now. And like I said, if, if there's head contact, it's straight off, of course it is. At, yeah. Now, Now it seems silly not to because um, mm-hmm. what, what's the yeah. point like i said if it's there for enjoyment if they're there play the game absolutely it it should be there um and that competitiveness needs to sometimes yeah. sort of take a little step aside when we start talking about welfare at that kind of level and and for the enjoyment of the game um i mean i i've been concussed I wanna I wanna say three times I say because it's like I said, sometimes <laughs> it gets but you're not sometimes you just really don't know. That's the other scary thing. You just don't know, especially in yeah. a kid. Yeah. Um but I mean I say mm-hmm. that the three because the second time was on a double tackle. So this was a um grudge match of um Mitch and Balls. I was uh seven no, no, it must have been younger, must have been fifteen. And Mm -hmm. we've gone in for a double tackle. We can see this guy streaming down the wing and I've gone high. My friends come low. And next thing I know, this kid disappears from underneath me. I've missed him completely. I've caught something. And then before I know it, I'm on the floor. I'm out and I wake up and everything is dizzy. It's spinning. I'm dragged off. And as far as I know, I'm fine. Mm. until I try and take that step. And then literally I've just gone back, fallen over. And like I said, and it was fine. And it was right. Someone stood me up. Are you okay? I was like, yeah. And then that was it. I carried on and played. And like I said, back then you got away with it. It was fine to do that. You'd never get yeah. away with that now. Like I said, it's oh, No, so no. Never. No. And as you
1: say, rightly so. Rightly so. The game mm. has changed and we've learned a lot. We know a lot more now, of course. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Having said that, Having said that, uh, and I know it's a very different game and so on, do you think um, I'm going to get in trouble for asking this? Do you think soccer could learn something from the kind of the tackles and the toughness of rugby players? And you know,
3: oh, you yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you've, you've 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 got your Ronaldos, and he must have more Oscars than Meryl Streep. He really must have. You oh, know I mean?
3: absolutely. If you, yeah
1: breathe on him and he's down and he's rolling and he's you know but but surely you know that's wrong too you know
3: yeah and again i think we're, we're talking you get to that point of where you say it's it's tactics isn't it it's you you're well, going you're going well, for the card, true. you're going that's for the thing true. we know there's we know there's nothing wrong of course yeah. we do i yeah. mean literally i mean you watch the um i mean any game at the weekend there was blood Every every game at the weekend, I think I am trying. I am just trying to see the Tom Curry eye blown. Yeah. Uh, I am pretty sure Elizabeth bleeding. Uh, yeah. just it's everywhere you look. You see these crashes and bangs because yes. you are just shoving your head places you wouldn't put a barge pole. Uh, yeah. Of course you are. <laughs> like I said, it, you, yeah. it's going to happen. And then it's but football is a different sport in that there it's a technically a non contact sport. I mean, I've tried. I've played okay. Sunday League and that's contact. Yeah. I could tell you now that's contact but they there there is levels of the game where like you said they they mm. do play hard and they they do that contact but it, again i think yes footballers try and do it a whole lot more and if we ever saw it in the in the rugby game i think we'd kick it straight out i mean people whinge and say that we're starting to see it now with the new um head contact rules and that they're trying to uh really bring it in a little bit toughen it up play uh but i just don't think we'll ever see it in rugby i really don't like i said that football can learn from us i don't think we would ever yeah. pinch that from football yeah and i think everyone was on board with that one yeah mm-hmm. i'm just uh, trying to think who was it, they it was mentioned where they dragged him up they dragged him up who was it at the weekend um, oh, I'll have to come back to it. It'll come to me. He picked oh, him yeah, up. Yeah. Was, uh, it was, uh, it, was it the Japan-Chili game, I think?
1: Uh, I must study him now, yeah. Possibly. It yeah, could well have been. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. yeah.
3: Sorry, go on. I've completely interrupted with my time. No, now. no.
1: No, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. You mentioned referees. Referees are very important in rugby. Mm. And they get an immense amount of respect. You don't get all that mouthing back and that cheek. And yet you know referees do this with there's kind of an ease to the referee
3: you know mm.
1: do you notice that
3: no there is and it's a confidence in that they can do it like you said that they they know there's that going to be that respect there mm. and they do it mm-hmm. and it's like said i mean you can draw parallels to school um with teachers going in that there's a certain amount of respect already that you would expect that as the teacher and the student. It's exactly the same for a rugby ref. They go on that pitch knowing they are going to officiate the game. They're going to run the game yeah. as they see it, and that their their word is final, mm-hmm. um, and that you you don't expect back chat. It has to come from the captain. Yeah, everyone, everyone knows that. Yeah, you always get told, and if you do, like I said, you know you the captain's going to rip you one. You know yeah. it. And it's just standard. And like you said, that's, that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, sort of flips. Um, it's, and I think people always know it. And it, it's, it's just expected that you do yeah. that. Yeah.
1: I always think it comes back to, you know, that uh, quality you mentioned earlier, discipline. Rugby players are much more disciplined. You know, when the whistle goes, they stop. You know, if you, if you watch them, they all stop all 30 of them on the pitch stop immediately and they will they'll back off and they look to the referee and there's much more communication and and contact uh between rugby referees than there is uh between referees in other sports constantly talking to the players and you know
3: yeah. And I love, like I said, in the games, I've got the mics, but the kids pick up on it, whether, whether they're watching it or not, they see it or mm. whether it's through the coaches and thankfully the teachers that they, they tell them this or show them this, it, yeah. it's picked up. They do see it. Yeah. And I see it at school all the time. Like I said, they know not to. And if they do, like I said, I, I personally do it. If, if our kids were to start gobbing off at a ref or something, you would tell them, no, bring them in. We're not, don't do that here and we see it from all all schools that you play against and and clubs uh, like you said it comes from within it's very self-policing that's what i find as well actually if we're talking about like i said that that discipline it comes from everyone around you it's that that social acceptedness of it and they uphold that mm-hmm. uh, you just don't sort of see that level of it in football you absolutely i think you do see it mm-hmm. but like you said it's it's not to the level that rugby has and that gets extended to the ref absolutely yeah
1: yeah so,
3: you know, schools listening to
1: us or thinking maybe about, you know, getting involved in rugby or maybe extending uh, and improving, you know, the rugby setup they have, what could they do, Aaron? What could a school do to, you know, improve their rugby setup?
3: The, I'd say the best thing to do, and I've done it, uh, both schools have done, and I've spoken to lots of other schools, is speak to and find your local premiership club they will have a community arm and they will offer coaching Mm. of some form. Um, So we have had my school in London, we had Harlequins come down. They run a six-week program with our year nines and they run it again with 10s and 11s. Uh, We've done it again over here in Swindon. We had Bath come down. So again, they come all the way from Bath over to Swindon. Um, And then they run these community days where they go and play tournaments with other schools and so on. It's great for the kids. They love it. It's somebody new. They're from the pre. They're from the club. They're there in the kit, um, and the teacher gets to see so much. Mm-hmm cpd it's unreal yeah. you're just seeing yeah. how it comes from like you said those community coaches and so on and they just you get so much from it yourself as a teacher and you really see the kids respond and then again some of that starts to click um so i would say that's definitely one thing i know everyone's not lucky enough to be in that catchment area mm-hmm. um or n- that close to a club uh in which case like you said look online the rfu has some great resources out there with lesson plans with uh, materials to go with it and get yourself onto a course. If you can, like I said, you you want that rugby ready. It's going to give you that minimums, the basics Um, and the head case course. Like I said, it's going to give you a real understanding of concussions and confidence in what to do if something goes wrong. And so I think that's, that then starts to set you up to really build on that and on the teams. Wow. Three excellent strategies.
1: Yeah. Get yourself on a course contact your local club and look up the RFU super, super yeah, strategies.
3: And like I said, said, so, y- your local clubs are going to love you. They're going to, they're going to literally want you to send every kid you've got down to them. They will, of course.
1: Yeah. I can see that. It's, yeah. Mutually beneficial uh, setup. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And we're getting close to the end of the show and uh, it's traditional that I ask uh, a question of all the guests i'm going to ask you two questions but the first one is the traditional question i ask everyone if you had a magic wand and only one spell to cast what change would you make to education that would significantly improve the lot of teachers
3: oh wow now you're talking <laughs> Oh, wow yeah i mean that's a question as well i wasn't expecting that as well i've been proper like sport and rugby brain now oh just um, throwing that one on you then <laughs> and yeah real why got wide with education i think i think every teacher just wants time don't they yeah we, we've got our job is never done um i don't my day is long enough i don't want to make it longer mm. um but i do want more time to do the things that i really want to do so i would i would do that i would wave my wand and i'd carve out like I said, that everyone gets a, in Sweden, they called it Fika. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was in its, the, the coffee break, no work, no, none of this. And it was, like I said, it was the chance to go with coworkers and it was a national kind of cultural thing. So I'd weigh that one, then I'd give teachers the hour lunch, middle of the day, oh. that they can go and they can do, have that time to sit, really sit down, relax, have that coffee. And then you've got... You've got 20 minutes to get that lesson ready and do whatever, but like you said, you've got that time for you. That's protected. Not add to the day, but carve it out. I like the sound of that.
1: I like the sound of that. I think a lot lot of people will like the sound of that. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. And I said I'd ask you two questions. So with the Rugby World Cup on and France have just beaten Uruguay. um, So yeah, who do you think is going to win?
3: Ah, oh, you don't, I knew you was good. I knew that. That's the question I thought was coming. And do you know what? I would love it if France done it. I, I re- really think they've been on form. I got to admit, Ireland are absolutely up there. You can never count out the Kiwis, mm-hmm. I and mean, you've got South Africa that are just absolute units. They're, yeah. they're reigning champs. Yeah. They're there to defend. They're yeah. not going to give anybody an inch. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? If if we come out that pool strong um and i mean they are gonna i mm. it would be something to see a hometown win uh for them and a southern hemisphere team because mm. like say it's either them or Ireland. like i said i want the home boys so they coming out coming home into europe into the southern hemisphere because uh england we're not off to the greatest start no. um, as much as i'd love to say it's england i really really would yeah. um but drop goals uh aren't always going to get there even though they did uh but i would like to say france i mean i think that would be a a fairy tale for them yeah
1: yeah well home advantage does mean a lot absolutely yeah it really does yeah
3: i think you're right and they've been working for it
1: yes oh they definitely have yes they do have yeah um i of course would love to see ireland win um and i'm not sure if you've seen it um well you probably haven't seen it. it's probably only in ireland uh the guinness adverts say you can think it but don't jinx it so we're not allowed to say <laughs> <laughs> we're not allowed to say out loud ireland are gonna win but um i think it's 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 certainly our best opportunity uh best opportunity we've oh. had in a while and uh Mm.
3: You know, I—I I, I mean, it's a—it's a hell of a run, you boys are on. Like I said, you—you've got every chance in the yeah. world. You're—you're you're, you're in there, yeah. and like I said, it's just going to come down to that last sort of week of, of who's sort of made it through and and is really hungry for it, really, really hungry for it. And I think that's going to be the real dog fight towards the end yeah. of just who's got that grit and it and kept the injuries at bay. That, uh, like I said, we, yeah, we we want to. We, I'd love to turn around and say England. going to do it we do it every year we go yeah well we we didn't do great last time but we come flying out the pools Mm -hmm. and yes we did don't get me don't get me wrong we had the same and I hope to god we do I really really do that like I said we come out fighting again but like I said I mean it was a a different tactic that we're not used to um, at the weekend definitely drop goals only but I mean like I said if it if it gets us as far as we can, I'm going to take it. Uh, but yeah, it'd be nice to get out the pools for us. But yeah, I think it could be, like I said, a, a very fun year to watch for anyone, especially non-rugby uh, watchers. Please do start getting into it.
2: I think it is. I think
1: it's very appealing, and I think it's a very wide open competition. And I think yes, it's full of full of enter- entertainment. Yeah, I think it's great. Aaron uh, our time is up unfortunately you've been a fabulous guest
3: and I wish you no I've enjoyed every minute
1: great all the best of luck okay bye
3: now thank you so much Paul cheers bye everyone
0: you've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time